All right, good morning. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministry. My name is Dwayne. This is a teaching ministry that is called Encourage, <clears throat> Disciple, and Challenge the People of God. <clears throat> we are currently working our way through the book of Acts. We are down to Acts chapter number 15. Uh, yesterday we introduced it and we looked at the first um, couple of verses. Let me just read some of those for context. I have to try to, I'm a teacher, so I love to reiterate, I love to repeat. Uh, we learn by repetition. I do. I listen to the same thing over and over until it actually becomes uh, ingrained in me. That's how I learn. I think we all learn that way. I'm not one of those that can just hear, one, uh, hear something one time and then I'm good to go. I have to hear it a few times. Uh, but... Um, Acts chapter 15, this is the infamous Jerusalem council. And certain men, uh, let's get my text up here. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So this is the whole issue is, is the observance of the law necessary for salvation? Uh, this is the differentiation between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace. And it's going to come to a decision here in uh, Acts chapter number 15. Obviously, there was opposition. Uh, everywhere that Paul went, uh, unbelieving Jews were gathered uh, to oppose him. And even believing Jews, believing Jews uh, opposed him because he was preaching a gospel that did not require adherence to the law. And this was blowing them away. Um, and then in verse number two, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and the elders about this question. Of course, the question is the necessity of the law for salvation, as mentioned in the previous verse. Um, we also talked a little bit about how that um, they, they would, that the church determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem. Uh, Galatians 2.2 says, and I want it by revelation. But I think that's pretty easily dealt with by, number one, either he just got the revelation, shared it with the church, they just, they agreed that he needed to go and share, or it may be just a, an issue with the way the verse is translated into English. Because some of the other translations, um, New American Standard, <clears throat> and when Paul and Barnabas, let's see, Galatians 2.2, and it was because of a revelation that I went up. Um, NIV, I went up in response to a revelation. Um, I believe what it's saying, and again, this is not some kind of uh, doctrine breaker here. Uh, it's just he went up, the church decided he should go and share the revelation. It was the revelation that he needed to talk to the church in Jerusalem about. That was the issue, the revelation that... Uh, they were no one. They were no longer required to keep the law in the gospel of grace. So that was the whole issue. Now, back in um, uh, verse number three, and the church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia, Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers um, 
Um, well, I'll click it back in King James, man. I start reading another translation. It just throws off my thinking. <laughs> and being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Obviously, the brethren here is a reference to believing Jews. Again, you know, just from my experience, we tend to clump all the Jews together, and all the Jews together. Uh, moved as a unit and resisted Paul. That's that's not necessarily the way it happened. The brethren at this point included both kingdom believers and grace believers, and they were all in great joy. Okay, now they needed to go down and get the brethren down in Jerusalem on the same page in regards to the gospel of grace. Um, now notice in verse number four, and this is new territory. See, I'd done pretty good. I didn't repeat everything that I said yesterday. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and the elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. So now they're making their way to Jerusalem. They're received by the Jerusalem assembly. And this includes the the 12, the apostles, the elders, and the church itself. And then they declared all things that God had done with them. Now, this no doubt included their first missionary journey when they were sent out by the church at Antioch, how they went up into Antioch and to Perga, Pamphylia, Lystra, and they shared how God had moved and how God had, more importantly, given a new revelation of the mystery to the Apostle Paul. And that is what needs to be talked about. This will be the first time that this information is shared with the Jerusalem church. And we know that because this conversation is going to get a little heated. Now notice in verse number five, but there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. Now these were kingdom believers. They believed, but they still believed that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the context here to me is saying that these were kingdom believers. Therefore they believed, and correctly so, that they were still under the law that required obedience to Circumcision. They were biblically right, but dispensationally wrong. They didn't realize what was going on. They didn't realize that this revelation of the mystery, they didn't realize the postponement of the kingdom. Um, that's what needed to be clarified um, at this point. And then I got a little note here. They had apparently missed the part. <laughs> Uh, where Paul said back in uh, 1339, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's the part that they were disagreeing with. <laughs> all right. And that's the part where that was the whole point of this Jerusalem council. Um, gospel of the kingdom was law. Gospel of the grace was not law. Gospel of the kingdom, justification came by the law, gospel of grace. Um, they were, by simple belief, they were justified from all things. Uh, that was the difference between the two, and that's what needed to be meted out here. Now, notice in verse number six, and the apostles and the elders came together to consider, or for to consider this matter. So that was the whole beef. That was what they were going to talk about the difference between the kingdom gospel, which they had been teaching since Jesus, 
and this new revelation that God had given to the Apostle Paul. One, obviously, still very much under the law, required keeping of the law, going to the temple, circumcision, the other not. That was what they wanted to consider. And when they had been much disputing, so that alone tells us that there was a lot of disagreement. I mean, much disputing indicates that this was a controversial subject. And Peter rose up, and he said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago, um, more specifically about ten years ago, um, God made a choice among us. And what he's referring to is Cornelius, that by the but that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So Peter, he hears all of this, and he stands up and says, you remember, guys, a while back, 10 years ago, by my mouth, God made a choice among us, chose me to go to the Gentiles. Um, and I think, you know, some would argue, I would agree, that when when God said Peter has the keys to the kingdom, um, I think Peter did use um, those keys, in that, and it speaks of the authority that Peter had. Whatever you bound will be bound, whatever you loose will be loose. Peter was used at Pentecost, and Peter's being used here. Peter's being was used with the presentation of the kingdom, and Peter was being used to go to Cornelius, and now Peter is being used again. Peter was appointed to be the leader by the Lord himself for obvious reasons. And then notice verse 8, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did us. And, and again, he's saying, when I went to Cornelius back in chapter number 10, he just believed, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God gave them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So, um, let's see, Peter, this is the part I like here. Peter then reaches back into his past a little while ago, 10 years. He reminds them what happened when Cornelius, a Gentile, believed and received the Holy Ghost just as they did at Pentecost. And then notice, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. In other words, not keep, not bring it, in other words, bringing the Gentiles in. I put no difference between us and them. He gave them the Holy Spirit just like he gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter is by no means saying that he received the, God, the grace gospel first. But he's just pointing out that God was obviously offering salvation to the Gentiles because he was there when it happened at the conversion of Cornelius. Because we need to remember, at the time, Peter did not preach the, the grace gospel to Cornelius. He preached the kingdom gospel to Cornelius. Um, Paul was the first one to preach the grace gospel, not Peter. And, and I hear even some mid-Acts folks sometimes, they'll kind of say Peter was the one that <clears throat> received it. He didn't. Peter always preached the kingdom gospel. And then notice it also said that God purified their hearts by faith. <clears throat> hearts have always been purified by faith in that even under the law, works were just an expression of said faith. 
Um, today, we believe and we are justified. Faith plays a role in both the law, both the kingdom gospel and the grace gospel, and even in the Old Testament under the law. Faith has always played a role. However, the faith that they had under the law could never completely justify them. It could never completely. It was only a temporary atonement. Even the keeping of the law and the sacrifices, it was always temporary. It could never. And, of course, it was the faith that they had that caused them to follow through, the faith that they had that caused them to go and make sacrifice to keep the law, but it could never completely justify. And that was the exact opposite of the gospel of grace. The gospel of, of grace as Paul preached it in Acts 13.39, and by him that believer justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of, of Moses. So we see the difference. One could justify, one could not justify. Uh, and then notice in verse number 10, now therefore, in lieu of this, now that we've established this, and this is still Peter talking, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. In other words, Peter is saying, if the law was and is insufficient to completely justify us, why would we try to place them under it? I mean, if it couldn't justify us completely, why would we try to put them under it? Of course, the immediate issue is circumcision, but it's really speaking of the entire law. And Peter is just pointing out the obvious. Okay, He's just pointing out the obvious that salvation has apparently come to the Gentiles. You know, And so why should we put them back under the law if they can receive the same Holy Spirit that we received at Pentecost? If the same result can happen without them being under the law, why would we try to put them back under the law? And he says in verse number Verse number uh, 11, but we, well, here, verse number 10, now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Now, this is where I'm going to end up for the day because I was trying to wrap my head around it and have been. So, this really, I put thus ends the reading of the word. These are the last recorded words of Peter in the book of Acts. Um, he disappears off the scene uh, here. But my mind, just like back in 14, 23, remember when we had a pronoun issue um, in chapter 14, uh, verse number 22. Let's jump back there. Uh, 14, 23 where it says he confirmed the souls of the disciples and exhorting them continue in the faith, and that we, much through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Who's we here? I believe he's referring to the Jews. Um, and we talked about what that meant, and I'm not going to rehash that. And when they had ordained them. So we got a pronoun issue. We're dealing with Jews, and we're dealing with Gentiles. Well, we get back over into chapter number 15, verse number 11, we got another pronoun issue. But we, 
we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Who's we? The same as back in chapter 14, verse 22. We is the Jew. They are the Gentiles. And it's interesting, you know, and you make what you will of it, but I think it's interesting. He says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved, even as they. Now, he does not say they will be saved even as we, but we will be saved even as they. Now, I think that Peter, this is Peter's way of acknowledging that there had indeed been a dispensational change. Um it seems to me that because look over in Second Peter chapter three. In Second Peter chapter three, verse fourteen, wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom that was given to him, hath written unto you. I think Peter here is seeing that he's seeing he's seeing the dispensational change taking place, and I and I may be reading too much into it, but I just when he says we're going to be saved, just like they are saved, why didn't he say they are being saved just like we are saved? Um, it seems that Peter is saying, especially here in Second Peter. Uh, 3.15, an account that the long-suffering, and that long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, an account that the long-suffering, an account that the patience of the Lord is salvation, it's like Peter is realizing that the kingdom has been postponed, and salvation is not only for the Jew, but now also for the Gentile. Uh, now, again, when that clicked in Peter's mind, did it click here, did it click there, uh, I think Peter is acknowledging, I mean, he's the one that stood up. He's the one that said, hey, you know, I went to these Gentiles. This guy got saved. And if you'll remember, Cornelius was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was baptized. So it, it spoke of what was to come, and it happened by Peter's mouth. So I think that when it says, we shall be saved even as they, that Peter is acknowledging that what Paul is saying is true, that there has been a dispensational change taking place, and just like the Jew is being saved, so too the Gentile is being saved. And Peter acknowledged that in 2 Peter, and because he said, why? Because of God's long-suffering and salvation. Because God could have just cut the Jews off right there. He could have ended it all right there, but he didn't because of his long-suffering and his patience. He merely postponed the kingdom so that more could be saved. Okay? Now, that being said, there is nothing in the Scripture that shows that Peter or the, the other eleven ever started preaching the grace gospel. Nothing. And we need to remember that when we read the Hebrew epistles. We need to remember that when we read First and Second Peter, First, Second 
Third John, Book of Revelation. We need to remember that. They continued to preach the kingdom gospel, even though they were acknowledging the grace gospel. And we're going to see that as we work our way here through the, the chapter, because notice what I said. Now, with that being said, there is nothing in Scripture that shows that Peter or the eleven ever started the preaching the grace gospel. Instead, as we will see in this chapter, they will agree not to. They will agree as a result of this council, you take your gospel to the uncircumcised, and we will continue to take our gospel to the circumcised. So that's going to be the end of the conversation. So um, next time we get together, we'll get down into verse number uh, 11. Hey, God bless you, brother. Hope you have a wonderful day. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever seen that, that Peter is acknowledging that dispensational change. And certainly by the time he wrote Second Peter, uh, he knew exactly what was going on. It's interesting, in Second Peter he says, "...an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, and as also in all of his epistles, speaking of Paul, speaking of them, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood." So even Peter was still trying to get his mind around that that issue. Uh, Peter, you know, struggling, but I think here he's acknowledging that a dispensational change has taken place, and he was firsthand witness to that at the conversion of Cornelius. So, all right, guys. Well, God bless you. Hope you have a great day. Next time we get together, day's Friday. Uh, will be Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, and we're going to put all this together. And um, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So hope you guys have a great Friday. And uh, remember always, as usual, that God loves you and wants the best for you, working all things out.